and uh, we're for the sake of the audio here, we're, we're picking up when Yahweh descends, um, part two. This is in Exodus chapter 19, Acts chapter 2. Um, a quick review um, of what we talked about in part one, just in short measure. We read verses 14 through 25. And uh, what happens is Adonai descends on Mount Sinai. Moses goes up and intercedes for the people. And basically what happens is there are commands that are, are given. A shofar blast is heard. The people are assembled. And they all meet at the foot of the mountain, according to Moses calling forth the congregation. There's, there's fire that descends from the heavens. There's, there's smoke. The, the mountain is engulfed in smoke. There's a shaking. There's a violent shaking alongside the shofar blast. And we talked about just even briefly about the correlation of that in the Acts 2 uh, version, if you will, of Pentecost and, and, and the eternal Yahweh God meeting with men. And we cannot disconnect the two. And, and like just from the very beginning of part two here, we have to get through our understanding that Yahweh God does every single thing for a purpose, like precise and premeditated. And, and I believe there's just layer upon layer upon layer for us to give ourselves to, to receive as revelation and understanding towards these intricacies of why God did things at certain times. And that's why I am falling in love with keeping the biblical feasts. Um, I've shared here in great measure over the last 9 to 12 months how the Lord has just really been stirring in us towards the feasts, um, keeping... Uh, true Sabbath, um, man. I, there's just there's there's too much content to even really pick much many pieces out and share without getting distracted. But that is what I love about these feasts. Is like I feel like I've been invited into the ancient way of God and his his eternal plan for his people. And every single feast, every single one, has this supernatural spiritual prowess within it and I feel such an awesome privilege to be invited into the eternal calendar of the creator to remember how he has dealt with man all throughout time throughout his people throughout his chosen generation throughout his royal priesthood throughout the family that he himself built and established through one man by his choosing that the seed would go throughout all of time throughout all of history, go through the Son, the Messiah, out the other side and purchase those of us on the outside to return into what we could never be aside from the giving of the Son, the mediator Messiah that purchased us to be the people of God. Because friend, you have to know this. You have to get this through your thinking and especially through your heart and your spirit you Christian Americans, should that be you, should not know God. We were, or now are, depending on your present spiritual condition, a Gentile, rebellious, completely alien people with no right to know eternal God. None. Zero. Removed. Outcast. Abandoned. And rightfully so. But... Yahweh God sent himself in the form of a human being, the God-man, to purchase your birthright, if you will. And I'm no scholar, and somebody may say, well, that's not even accurate, brother. I don't know. 
I know, I know, I know who I am. My identity is I have been taken from something that I used to be. I have been changed and transformed. The, the scriptures talk about the metamorphosis, the metamorpho. I have been made a new creation which enables me to return to become a pleasing son in the lineage of God, spiritually speaking, literally made a citizen of the king. And friends, that's what we're talking about is these these perpetual circumstances where God is desiring for a people today like he has throughout all of time. The only problem is us, rebellious, stubborn, obstinate. We know a better way. Is that not the pattern of the scripture of, the, of humanity? We know a better way. The principalities and powers insert ideas, plans, sway men to what? Just like the garden reality? Hey, you can ascend and be like the Most High. It's Tower of Babel. It's the rebellion. It's, it's, it's the Nephilim. It's... It's, it's all these things all the way into the New Testament reality of those exalting themselves in pride and arrogance, and God opposes the proud, and we won't even get into all that. So let's stay back to today's teaching, shall we? When Yahweh descends, part two, we looked at when Yahweh shows up, things take place. First, Feast of Weeks, Remembrance, Mount Sinai, the, the origination of Pentecost, the Mark time. The remembrance, we talked this morning, we have some friends visiting from out of state. We talked about how the Lord moved upon his people to what? To set up stones of remembrance. I remember, not just basking in my sin, but I remember my depravity and I remember my condition. I remember being in the clutches of the enemy and I remember Almighty God, the Elohim of Elohims, delivering me. I remember. Because as I'm always saying on this, on this program, we are a forgetful people. Humanity, you are forgetful. I'm forgetful. We need reminded. The feasts, again, reminders. Every morning, Saturday, Shavuot, Passover, unleavened bread. We need, we have to give ourselves to just be like, you know what? I kind of need reminded. I kind of need something to continually bring me in, bring me back. We need that. should be no shock to us. We get too confident in Jesus. Hey, man, I'm in Jesus. I don't need all that stuff. I don't need all of that, right? Man, it's dangerous thinking. We looked at when Yahweh shows up, things happen, right? And, and again, the correlation of the Exodus 19 and the Acts chapter 2 meeting together. He was heard. There was a shaking. The, the mountain trembled. Okay? He was, he was felt. He was heard, the shofar blast, and it increased in measure, louder, louder, louder. He was heard. Then his voice spoke. He was heard. Audibly, a voice resounded. He was heard. As I just said, it, 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 when it shook, it was felt. The Holy Spirit descends as prophesied by the Messiah himself in Acts chapter 2, and it comes in like a violent rushing wind. We talked about how the Greek the Greek terminology insinuated that it was as the as the roaring and crashing of a raging sea and like i even said in part one how you know when you're at the ocean like you see the the power of the sea and if you've ever been down there at night it's just so 
oh my gosh, it's it's just so massive. And like that's why the ancients had such such a an honor and a reverence and even a lot of mythology originated in like sea monsters. If you if you study just like ancient cultures understanding of the sea, it was man, you don't go there. Men don't go to the sea. There's a lot of things within that spiritual imagery within the scriptures, but good for us to just add to our intellect towards the might and the power of this crashing sound that was felt and heard. And and you know there there was the the fire that descended, there was the smoke that that surrounded the mountain. Can you imagine this scene? And I could spend all day talking about that, pleading with you, can you just imagine what it looked like when Yahweh God Adonai, the one true God, descended and met with people. Holy cow. Incredible, right? Absolutely incredible that he would even that he would even dare to, to want to do that on our behalf, to meet us, extend himself to us, lowly as we are. And that leads me right to where we need to be right now in part two. Because I ended part one with talking about these words that's in um, Acts or Exodus 19. Um, it's in 22. And it talks about the priests and the people. God says, you know, have the priests consecrate themselves and then they can come in and be in my holy presence. And, and Moses reminds the Lord, which is just baffling thought, but like, hey, you, you said we've, we've, we set up boundaries here. You said that nobody can come up like... Yahweh God, in, in, an, in a sense, says, that's true, that's right. Don't have them come. Don't let the people, don't let the priests break through to me. Don't let the people break through to Adonai. Why? Because he says, it's, it's interesting verbiage, it, it says, he will break forth. And we looked at those meanings of what those meant. Um, the breakthrough, because this bears reiterating, I, I kind of jumbled it up a little bit at part one. Um, but in, in Exodus 19, it says, if the people break through to gaze, the Lord, his response will be to break forth towards the people, against the people. And I just want to sit here for just a second and talk about this. The breakthrough to gaze, to overthrow, tear down, and pull down, and and gaze upon the one true God. Okay, now, oh Lord, help me with this. I mean, this age, this church culture today, we think we can just strut into the presence of the Lord wearing our Jesus clothes and like, hey, the scripture says you can boldly approach the throne. Now that is true, but y'all, Yahweh God is righteous and holy and perfect and highly exalted. The elders, okay? The heavenly beings, the creatures, the, the, the ones that are, are surrounding the throne of the Almighty, who have crowns, okay? I've taught on this before. These men have crowns. They're someone. Number one, they're, they're spiritual beings. Who knows? They have bodies in some form that we can't even comprehend. And they're gathered around the throne of, of the Almighty. And they have crowns, y'all. Okay? So let's be careful how we, well, let's do what they do. <laughs> these men who have crowns, these men, these beings, they have crowns in the presence of the king. There's someone 
part of the counsel of God, all the stuff we see in the scriptures? Very possible. We won't get into all that. And they're taking these crowns off, and they cast them at his feet. They take them off. They're someone, and they take off their identity. They take off all that they are, the, their kingly status, their, their priestly attributes, whatever that is. They cast it before the king, and they say, Worthy is the lamb. Holy, holy, holy. The beings with eyes and heads and horns and wings and all this stuff. The cherubim and the seraphim and all these things, right? Beings of fire. Wielding swords of flames. Raging infernos about them. Y'all, these beings cast themselves prostrate before the marvelous king. They can't even stand in his presence. And let me just ask you, friend, are you greater than they in Jesus? Are you greater than those elders casting down their crowns and saying, Worthy is the Lamb? Are you better than them in Jesus? We have been, we have been sold this, this bag of lies that thinks, you know what? Just be in Jesus. And I know I sound so redundant with that phrase. But I have to continually put forth to the church and ask the question, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because even the Son of Man, the God-Man, said, don't call me good. Don't call me good. He wasn't full of shame. He, wasn't, he didn't have an ounce of sin in his whole natural body. He was spotless, blameless. No blemish anywhere. And even he said, don't call me good. Only the Father is good. And we think, even if subliminally we just go through our life in this Christian American mindset, and can we just not say this global understanding of Christianity, that you know what, you don't do anything. It's all been done. Cruise into the presence of God. Put your hands up and demand He come down. And friends, all I'm saying is would you at least give yourself to ask the question, am I ready for Him to come down? Because when Yahweh descends, when the great Adonai comes, man, He makes it clear. I'm breaking forth. And if you are not as I require, you will be incinerated. And if that's too hard of a word for you, friend, I would beg to say maybe you do not know the Yahweh God of the Bible. I've been in conversations with dear brothers that I love that know the Lord and know Him well. And I shared along these lines years ago. And people, a lot of people, not everyone, don't like hearing the sobering fact of the harshness of the one true God. And that you just can't climb up on his lap all nasty, dirty, and just hug him and kiss him, and he just giggles. He's righteous. He's holy. He's perfect. And only if your identity is completely into the slain lamb, covered in the blood of the lamb, deemed righteous as you equally lower yourself 
abase yourself. Only then will you be received in his presence. And if not, it's for your good. It's for my good if he says, no, I can't come to you. You can't, you can't handle it. It's his goodness that he holds himself back. It's his kindness that he shows restraint. His restraint is our good. We cannot stand to... We can't tolerate standing in the, in the perfect holy presence of the one true God. And so in this season leading up to Shavuot, now in just mere days now, depending on what calendar you look at and live according to, I just feel this constant resurgence in me of, of the flesh man that still exists in me as the Holy Spirit reveals it and convicts me and I just dump it out and I pour it out like a drink offering. I pour it out. I pour it out. So again, as I ended part one, and I'll kind of go there again, we'll move on a little bit. We have got to be careful when we cry out for the Lord to break through, break through, break through. We're breaking through to God. We're breaking through to Him. We even say the words, if, you're, if you've been in like the charismatic prophetic movement, God, give us a breakthrough, give us a breakthrough. Well, what are we even saying? If we're saying, in fact, we're demanding God's presence to come down, come down, come down. I've been saying for years, I felt the, hop, the Father say 10, 11 years ago, you know what, son? I already did come down. Stop demanding I come down, y'all. I came down. I came down in the Emmanuel reality. I did my part. I came down. Go into him and you will live. That, that's the whole transition from Old Testament to New Testament, right? In regards to the Holy Spirit. Men would have, we know all these encounters that men had. Prophets of old. The patriarchs of the faith. The Spirit is upon me, right? The Spirit is upon, <clears throat> upon me. I was in the Spirit. Right? All those things. So the Spirit, in a sense, would come, speak, reveal, touch, and lift. It's my understanding. But in Acts chapter 2, Yahweh God, by His choosing chose the exact day of remembrance of when he gave the law in Exodus chapter 20 right after this text he chose the same day to give man another gift another prophesied gift he gave his law for the good of man this is how you know me this is how you please me and if you don't know these things how do you please me how do you live according to a nation and a kingdom if you know nothing about her laws? Even in the natural, that's my son could understand that at eight years old. You need a law. You need established boundaries and parameters for the kingdom you dwell within to govern it. And then the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2 and it moves from a visitation to an indwelling reality. And empowering, clothed, wrapped up from, from power, with power from on high. An indwelling source 
that remains a filling. And we have to be clear that we're told clearly that there were people that were in Messiah. Hey, brother, have you been baptized? Yeah, I've been baptized in John. Been named in, baptized in the name of Bob. Not in the name of Bob, but according to Bob's baptism, repentance. I know John's repentance, baptism, yes. Water, yes, I've done that. But what about the Holy Spirit? What is, what is that? And this is the posture of the heart of so many people within the scriptures that we've got to obtain and walk in here and now in 2020. Inquisition. Inquiry. The posture of most of the church today is, hey, don't tell me there's more. Don't you tell me about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a filling of the Holy Spirit, a, a second dose of the Holy Spirit. I already had the Holy Spirit in my salvation, you know. Talk to me. Don't threaten me. But back then, in many accounts in the scriptures, people said, you know what? Tell me more. Tell me more. What about this Holy Spirit? I know nothing about that. Tell me more. There's more of God? But listen, today, people are okay, maybe, maybe. Okay, let's talk about this. People are okay with the with Passover. Whether you're you celebrate it or not, yeah, Passover, we know the story. Jesus was the Passover lamb, amen. Fine with the blood, yeah. The sacrifice understanding, the blood, the propitiation, yes. Amen. All day long, every denomination's all about the blood. The blood of Jesus. And that's where most people stop. Other people will continue on. Baptism, water baptism. Okay, yes. Mandatory to be a member of the church anyway. Okay, and we could go through all these things, doctrines, if you want to get real serious about how we dumb it down instead of just truth. Yeah, we'll be accepting of these things. These things are acceptable. But man, you get to like an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and Acts 2 reality <whistles> breaks. You telling me there's more? We're threatened. We're threatenable. We're offendable. And, and oftentimes, if we're not careful, any one of us are vulnerable to this. The word of the more comes from a brother, from a pastor, a teacher, a prophet. A stranger, and our first response, if we're not careful, is, "Hey, you think you you saying I don't know God? You think I don't know Him, friends? Let's just be careful. Let's be humble first. Hey, if you know of something more about this Word of God that has not yet been added to me, tell me every detail. Tell me everything. Tell me everything. But see, here's the problem: feasts, Sabbath. Hey." Old. I don't do that. We're not supposed to. I've heard my whole life. That's what people would say. That's what I used to say. I've heard my whole life. It's old. It's past. Replaced. Sabbath. Sabbath rest. Don't, I don't want to talk about it. I have no questions, right? No inquiry. No inquiry to the more of God. Even the learned ones were taken aside and Acts said, Hey, brother, you know a lot. You're a teacher. But there's some things that you have not understood yet. And they take him aside. And they teach a teacher. I want that in the body of Christ. I want to be it, and I want to find it. 
I've found it in great measure right here and now. Praise the Lord. A people who say, you know what? I'm putting on sackcloth. I'm rubbing ashes on my face and I'm going to sit on the floor and I'm going to weep and cry for hours in the congregation. I don't remember if I shared this in part one or not. It begs mentioning. Because um, the congregation we're a part of right now, we had a, a seven-hour meeting the other evening. And at one in the morning, I took my turn, public confession on the microphone. The walls were lined down the whole building inside for five five hours of, of personal confession, congregational, corporate confession. Huh, what an idea. And it was such it was such a, a unifier of the Holy Spirit. Unity of the Spirit, y'all. And I said then, and I'm saying I've been saying every moment since then in my head, and anyone else who would listen, that has to be a primary component of what those were doing in the upper room in Acts. As they tarried, as they waited, confession, praise, remembrance, honoring, counting the omer. I said that too. They, they're counting the omer. They're, they're in unity. They're counting. What are they doing? They're not counting for something to do because they're bored. Their, their soul is crying out for the prophecy, for the remembrance, the stone of remembrance, if you will, that was going to be found in Shavuot. The waving of the loaves. Remembering their first fruit commitment at Passover. First fruits. Unleavened bread. Y'all, do you understand what I'm saying? We know so little. My whole life, I've known, I've known volumes of things. I've taught many things for many years. But as I come into the understanding of the eternal feasts of God, something in me literally comes alive at the revelation of what I have been missing. The Acts Church knew that. Look at what they were doing. Why were they at the temple? Why were they meeting at the synagogue? They weren't going there to run out all the bad people who were keeping the law and the, and the Sabbath and doing the feast. That's what they were doing. <laughs> so at the first Pentecost, right then and there, in, in Exodus 19... The Feast of Weeks, the, the, the right before the giving of the Ten Commandments, chapter 20, all of that right there in that moment when the people are assembled, noises, thunder, trumpet, the shofar blast. God spoke audibly. Acts chapter 2, it's Greek, it's ekos. It's spelled like echoes, but it's ekos. Violent rushing wind, the roar of the sea, as we've already talked about. Another sound followed. Tongues. Other languages. That made no sense, no rational understanding could be made of it. More sound. I would say right now the shofar is blasting. I'm convinced. And I look all around. And my heart's grieved. And how many people do not hear it? And that's why right now I'm doing this. I did part one and part two yesterday. I, part two was over an hour, and the whole thing froze, and it didn't record. So I'm having to do all this over another day. I should be out working. I have work right now. Am I just exalting myself? I'm just saying no. What I'm saying is this is important. This is valuable. 
There's nothing right now on the whole entire earth that is more important than this right here, right now. What the Spirit is saying about this tarrying to Shavuot. The remembering. The, the waiting in, in, in anticipation of the promise. An outpouring of the Spirit. I feel like for those who have ears to hear, the, the remnant, the remnant of the remnant, <laughs> the blasting is increasing. People are being assembled. Yeshua is assembling his people. He's assembling his bride. And because he's the great high priest who has gone before us and he rightly broke through to the Father because he was perfect in every way, we can, in a sense, and I'm getting this visual right now, I submit it to you, is this a prophetic thing from the Lord? I would like to say it is. Because the perfect slain lamb broke through to the Father because of his perfection, because he was spotless and blameless. Flawless in every way. Anyone who goes in behind him, attached to him, if you will, holding on to the hem of his garment, goes through and lives. Goes through the mediator, Messiah, the way, the truth, the life, life the door. The hem of his garment. What did he say when the woman touched the hem of his garment? power has left me it's the power of the Holy Spirit y'all it's the power to get you from where you are in your lowly humble disgusting unconsecrated condition through to the perfect father that's your only way in is through the son I'm telling you I think there's something to that if we hold on to the hem of his garment, we're close to him. We're right behind him. We, we are literally, you hear, you, we've all heard the phrase, riding in on, on his coattails. Shadowing another. Friends, is that not the message of the gospel? Yahweh God made himself a, a vessel of flesh. For anyone who would come in behind him and see him as the firstborn of many brethren and say, I go into the Messiah. I lose myself into him. I'm grabbing on. I'm grabbing on to his, his zit zit, his tassels. I'm holding on to him and I'm going through. He's my only chance through. Because the what? It's narrow. Most people don't even find it. And the, and the most of the rest that do find it choose to not go it. The way of the slain lamb. That's why the other night when I put on sackcloth and I rub ashes all over my face and I sat at the front of the congregation and looked like a fool alongside many other brothers and sisters and entire families doing likewise, I felt like I found my place. What I said word for word in my journal. Because this is important. I just kept saying to the Father, and then we're going to bring this to a close. Pass over me. Pass over me. See the Son. 
See the sun. See the sun. I just kept repeating that. See the atoning blood. See the unblemished sacrifice. Pass over me. Pass over me. Spirit was their source. We've got to get to a place where our, our identity, our identity is literally no more. When people look at me, I want them to see the image of the invisible. y'all we've got to get through our minds the holy perfect righteous unapproachable light that is Adonai the God of our fathers the Elohim of Elohims the Lord of all Lords the King of all Kings earthly natural spiritual eternal every principality every devil every demon every earthly king the earth is his footstool. And so friends, if you take away anything from this, the question goes out to you. What will you do when Adonai descends? What will you do when Yahweh God descends to meet with you? What is your credentials? What are your credentials? What right do you have to be in His holy presence? What are you doing? Do you have clean hands? Do you have a consecrated mind? First and foremost, have you been regenerated? Have you been moved from death to life? From the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of light? Have you had the Ezekiel reality of that heart of stone that cannot feel nor know God? And has it been extracted by the Spirit of God coming in and removing it and putting in a heart of flesh so that you can feel, so that you can know God, so that you can even stand in His holy presence and then go down, prostrate before Him? Are you even enabled to do that by the Spirit of God? If you're stuck in a lifestyle of like constant sin... And like, if your whole life is about not sinning, friends, you've missed the mark. If our whole life is to try to be good and to not just be a sinful man, we do not know rightly the gospel. We do not understand the power that has been given to us to, to get to that, that the, the sin issue being our mere starting line. The Holy Spirit no longer wants to just come and visit you and leave. The desire of the eternal God is that His Spirit, the, the Ruach Hokadesh, the, the, the Spirit of holiness, comes into you and makes their abode in you so that you can actually walk out 
keeping the commands of God and knowing Him as He is so that, that when you break through, when you're on the coattails of the sun, He sees the sun and there's none of you left to the best of your ability. It's our, it's our sanctification for the rest of our days. He knows our heart. You don't know my heart and I don't know yours. But it should look like something out here. I, I said to a brother this morning, and then we're done for sure. His verbiage was like my verbiage has been, and I'm not correcting him in any way. I just believe it's an expansion of being careful how we speak. About how Yeshua ended the sacrificial system, basically. And up until maybe two months ago, I was saying that same way, even though I wasn't meaning what I was saying. He didn't do away with the sacrificial system. I talked about this several episodes back. The sacrificial system was moved from without to within. And just like from when it was without, when it was only out here with animals, it has to look like something out here in the living sacrifice system. There are things, friend, you can do to present an offering to God. We've internalized everything. We've spiritualized everything we do. We think we have to do nothing out here. No, no cleansing, no washing. We see when, when we see things about how we cleanse our bodies, foolishness. We don't do that anymore. We don't do any of these things anymore. I would just say, why not? Why not? Legalism doesn't phase me anymore. It's fine. I understand. All I'm saying, and I put this out there, we're going to close the door for sure. When, when Yahweh descends, you better be careful you're ready for what happens when he breaks forth. You better be ready for what happens. If you're asking for him now, if you're calling down the glory of God, if you're asking for his presence, if you're asking for more of him, more of him, if the verbiage out of your mouth is a breaking through to Yahweh God, to Adonai, you'd better be careful that you are ready for what comes. You'd better be careful for, for you, that you're ready for what comes when that happens, because he will come. We had better rightfully posture ourselves to receive the increment of the glory of of the Lord in whatever way we can take and still live and come out the other side. Ponder on that uh, coattails of Yeshua idea. I need to write that down. When, when Yahweh descends, what will he find? I want him to find a righteous, holy, set-apart bride who's longing, longing to be united with the king. May we know him as he is. May we cleanse our hands, cleanse our hearts, cleanse our minds, submit every single thing unto the Messiah and the Lordship and Headship of our King so that we can survive and flourish when Yahweh God comes down and breaks forth to his people. Amen. Visit us, pathdesign.com. Do the subscribey thing. Help us, please. I'm convinced this is what the Spirit's saying. If you think it's not, that's fine. Put it away in the, in the, give me a thumbs down. I'll survive. If you think this is something the Lord's saying, friend, just click a link and share it. I've got nothing here to promote. 
I've got nothing here to offer. Other than like, I believe I hear what the Lord is saying. If you agree, if this res resonates in you, share it. Give it to a friend, a, fam a family member, someone who is seeking the Lord to know him as he is. He can be known. Amen.